For those who want a glimpse of trades-related careers, Edge Factor is empowering students to explore the skilled trades. This amazing online platform equips grades 7 to 12 students and their families with e-learning tools to showcase industries and careers, teach soft skills, show how science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, or STEM, come alive in the real world and provide glimpses into local industry and career opportunities. All Blue Water District School Board and Bruce Gray Catholic District School Board grade 7 to 12 students will have access to Edge Factor in 2021. Students are encouraged to ask their teacher to set up their personal account and start exploring. Welcome to the podcast that showcases the rural town careers and opportunities you need to know about. Welcome to What's Your 9 to 5. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to What's Your 9 to 5. My name is Chris Hookstra. And I'm Brooklyn Dersom. And on the show today, we have Paulette Lippert and we have Andrea Rideout on the show. How are you guys doing today? Doing well, thanks. Thanks for having us today. Why don't you guys uh, introduce yourselves and uh, let the listeners know what you do? Sure, I can start. And uh, so I'm Paulette Lippert, and I'm the experiential learning consultant for the Bruce Gray Catholic District School Board. Um, and so that's a K to 12 position. So I'm responsible for SHSM programming and um, dual credits, uh, as well as experiential learning and outdoor learning. And uh, my counterpart will introduce herself next and we have lots in common. So it's great that you're interviewing both of us together today. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks, Paulette. You're exactly right. I really enjoy my time working with Paulette. Um, so my name is Andrea Rideout and I, um, I'm a teacher uh, with Blue Water District School Board who is currently filling the role of experiential learning lead. Um, and as Paulette said, the portfolio is from kindergarten to grade 12. And uh, my portfolio involves the same uh, programs as Paulette, such as dual credit, co-op, uh, specialized high school major, intermediate and secondary guidance, and working closely with the Ontario Youth Apprenticeship Program. So I'm really excited to be here today to talk, to talk about all the neat things that we have going on in our board and how experiential learning brings learning to life in meaningful and exciting ways. Oh, that sounds so awesome. Uh, just to get, make it clear, is exper experiential learning is more than just co-op, right? We, al we also have, you know, specialized programs that are part of experiential learning that your listeners may not have ever heard of. So there's some really um, out there's some really exciting outdoor learning uh, programs that are out there um, and outdoor learning spaces that our schools are now utilizing a lot, especially during uh, COVID-19. Um, they've become used even more than they were before. And, you know, we have some exciting um, specialty programs in our schools as well. So, for example, we have a land-based program for Indigenous students um, that involves actually co-op as well as outdoor education, as well as some, some courses in Native Studies and um, uh, equity and inclusion types of courses as well. So, um, the, the world of experiential learning is, is wide and very diverse. And that's probably what I like most about it is that it, it 
it really addresses the needs of so many students. And so all of these kinds of programs really help produce equity across the system and allow students to be successful regardless of what field they decide to, to pursue. That, that's so cool. And you guys must work with a lot of different kids because you're from kindergarten all the way up to grade 12. So like that's that's must be a, a big uh, handful to deal with. It's a lot of uh, age groups that we're yeah. we're working with for sure. Um, but but really, it's the teachers who provide that programming, and we're there to support them. So while we do get to work with students, sometimes we're also working with lots of different teachers um, right across the system, and they're really the people that make the magic happen in the end. And so it's great to support to support them as well. And that's that's really interesting too, is to support people who are teaching at all different grade levels and uh, all teachers want to make their programs exciting and so it's really nice to see that happening right from kindergarten right through to grade 12 as well awesome yeah. just just to echo that as well um it's it's really neat this year we did a, an all call for exper experiential learning uh projects and as paulette said it's really great to see uh teachers submit uh, you know, projects that really that their students are very passionate about and that the teachers are passionate about um, as well. Uh, so, for example, we had kindergartens who were coding uh, with their teacher, which is so exciting and neat to watch, um, as well as a school-wide um, project that involved embracing nature and was a school-wide photography challenge. So, as Paulette said, yes, for sure, it's great to support teachers uh, with this and to watch it roll out and just watch the magic happen it's fantastic that's so awesome that's crazy that read, led right into what i was just thinking next is right now i'm at a 7 to 12 school and i feel as though like mainly when i'm thinking of experiential learning my mind goes right to co-op but a lot of those things aren't really uh, open to the students until about like grade 11 or 12. how are you doing stuff for like all that whole age range like what other types of things do you do for like that younger side Hello? Oh, can you hear me? Sorry. Yeah, we can hear you now. Sorry. Oh, we weren't getting my, for a bit. my internet just cut out there for a minute. So I, t I missed, I heard the first part of Brittany's question, but not the second part of it. So you might have to repeat the question. Oh, sorry. I was, I was just, I was or, like, or Brook Brooklyn, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah, my yeah. internet, my internet, I'm getting a message saying my internet is unstable. So I missed about half of what you said there. I'm sorry. I'm just, I was just thinking about, cause I'm out only at a seven to 12 school and most of our like co-op and experiential learning stuff, I would say is like from grade 11 onward. So how are you guys doing stuff for the younger end of the scale, like the kindergartners and the smaller grades? Right. Well, we do have a lot of community partners that we work with. And in fact, experiential learning at any grade level wouldn't really be possible without the involvement of those community partners. So in order to make the learning um, have real world applications, you have to engage those community partners. So I would say community partners are the key to making any program successful um, at any level. And so you bring different organizations into the work, um, you partner with different organizations. So just an example of something that I know that uh, Andre and I were, were uh, 
we're both partners in, um, we do a lot of work with our local community colleges. And you might think that that is really just something for our students in grades 11 and 12, but we actually um, do some programming with Georgian College, for example, where our grade seven and eight students can be involved in some of that programming. So we did a program called the Grizzly Cups. And uh, usually that involves the grade seven and eight students going to the college and seeing some of the college programs in action and participating in some activities with the with the college. But of course, this year we had to do it. Uh, we had to do that in a digital format. And so the college would host Zoom calls with those grade seven, eight classes and still introduce them to all the same information and all the same experiences. But it was just done um, over Zoom or over Google Meet instead. So um, there are ways of doing that even, even when we're challenged to be in person together. But uh, there's lots of different programs that we can offer students at all levels by engaging those different community partners in, in those opportunities. Andrea, did you want to add to that? So at Blue Water, we are excited as well um, to engage our students right from kindergarten to grade 12 in experiential learning opportunities. And as Paula has mentioned, community partners is certainly really essential and creates really meaningful uh, activities for our students. Some of our individual projects uh, this year included coding in kindergarten, um, another uh, younger grade um, experiential learning project we had was at one of our schools and we they partnered with the local conservation area and looking at um, how to help keep forests healthy uh, and planting some trees as well. So that was really interesting and exciting. Um, for our grade sevens and eights, we really uh, use our intermediate guidance teachers uh, to reach out uh, and to facilitate some of these experiential learning activities as well. We've partnered uh, with Skills Ontario uh, around a gingerbread building, gingerbread bridge building challenge, that's a mouthful, um, <laughs> with our OYAP program as well. And that incorporated some hands-on learning with some STEM. And uh, then we looked at careers that go with that, such as uh, construction and baking as well. So we're really uh, looking forward to um, bringing um, more experiential learning opportunities to our students in the lower grades as well. That sounds so cool. So many great initiatives. That's so cool. So um, I want to talk maybe a bit more about your guys' jobs more specifically. So how long have you, have each of you been doing this profession for? Well, um, as far as the teaching profession goes, um, I have 25 years. Uh, wow. Actually, it's my finishing up my 26th year. Congrats. Uh, Congrats. <laughs> so that's a long time. Um, but um, during those 26 years, I've done a lot of different roles within um, within the education field. So this is actually my second time that I've been a consultant. Um, so I was a consultant a number of years ago and I was an instructional leadership consultant and it was doing a similar role, but this, this time the role has a little bit different focus. And I did a lot of professional learning during that time. Um, when, when you're a consultant with the board, you do, one of the perks is that you get a lot of professional development opportunities. And so um, I felt that after five years in that role, I was, I was really missing students, working with students on a daily basis. And so I decided to go back to the classroom 
uh, for seven years and incorporate all of that learning that I had done um, within that previous role. And I'm, I'm so, so glad that I did because I, I've just had a fantastic seven years and then just stepped back into the consultant role as of September this year. So while I've done the role before, it's still still feels like I'm a, a bit of a newbie um, in regards to this particular role. Um, so I'm learning lots all over again. And if that's a message that I could uh, send home, one of the ways to keep your career really interesting is to continue to learn and to continue to be open to learning. And as educators, we're, we're never fully there. We always have more to learn. We always uh, can add more tools to our backpacks. and. Um, so I'm excited to say that after 26 years in education, I still look forward to every to going to work every day and to learning from my students and with my students um, so that we can uh, make greater opportunities for them um, as time goes on. So um, yeah, that's sort of my history. That's great to hear. So I would say I have been in the teaching uh, profession now for close to 17 years. Um, I did take some time off when I had my children, so I was away for a little bit. Uh, but I've been in this role as experiential learning uh, lead now for nearly two years. And uh, prior to that, I worked in a different field. I was uh, an instrumental music teacher for close to 10 years. So uh, it's been really neat to make the shift. Uh, to the system position in experiential learning. And uh, just to kind of echo what Paulette is saying as well, that's one of the things that I love so much is it's learning every single day. I'm always learning something new. Um, and whether or not that's through, uh, you know, PD that I'm attending or courses, you know, it's the my coworkers and the teachers that I get to work with. So I'm really, really fortunate that uh, I do get to learn something new every day. And um, my husband makes fun of me. He's like, Andrea, I feel like you could be a student for the rest of your life. So anyways, I just love learning. That's awesome. So after we talk about like how many years you've done it. So I, you guys kind of both answered it a little bit here, but like, why? Why did you choose teaching in general? And then why did you go for the like experiential learning side of things? That's a great question. Um, I actually uh, was in uh, social work before I became a teacher. Um, I did a master's degree in social work and uh, then went straight from finishing my master's right into my Bachelor of Education program. And so I had, you know, I had some uh, co-op placements or some practicums that were part of that social work training. and. Uh, I had a couple of experiences that were really good, but they were experiences that also helped me to reevaluate what I wanted for my future. And while I was really, really enjoying the field of social work, I felt like I needed to see um, bigger results for my efforts in a shorter period of time. So I was looking to make change and I was looking to, to do that in a way that was going to be most effective for me and for the people that I was working with. And so my second social work placement was actually in a school as a school social worker. And I could see the progress that the teachers were seeing in their students almost on a daily basis. And that's sort of what really attracted me to the profession was to be able to see 
um, change and growth in students um, almost daily. And so that's really why I decided to shift slightly um, into, into education. And I also saw that education was very, very powerful in changing um, people's lives and in securing really positive futures and healthy futures. And so um, I thought that putting my efforts there perhaps would give a greater uh, dividend in the end for for individuals and and their future and uh, I made that switch and I've never looked back and one of the things that I really really value about our education system in Ontario is that we see the value in in equity and equity is something that we recognize as being really pivotal to having um, high achievement as well as uh, it's just good for our communities overall if everyone has equal access to lots of opportunities that they so that they can reach their potential and so for me that was really what that was the driving force of my choice into going into this field um, and in the end you know we we make lots of choices and we can pivot to lots of different uh pathways um, and you don't have to remain in one job and and for the whole, for your whole life um, but for me it was really really a good decision I'm really I've been really happy with that decision and haven't really ever looked back um, education has been very good to me and it's been very good to my family and um, it's it's helped to make a very rewarding career very cool that's that's awesome So that's that's a neat question, and and you're probably going to be very surprised to hear this, but uh, I too, as well, was a social worker before I was a teacher. Oh wow! <laughs> and uh, worked with Children's Aid um, in Kitchener uh, before moving to this area. So uh, I I do have a, a winding road. Uh, my post secondary schooling uh, after two years of university, I actually quit university and went to community. College, Holland College in PEI and uh, became a child and youth worker and uh, worked in a group home, uh, decided to go back to university, get my psychology degree and as I said worked as a social worker in, in uh, Kitchener. My heart, in my heart I knew I always wanted to be a teacher though. Mm -hmm. So to the point that when I would go and visit schools for meetings I just loved the sights and the sounds and even the smells of a school. Mm -hmm. I just it was like it was in my blood. I just wanted to be a teacher so badly. So I did leave social work and went back to university to become a teacher and uh, certainly loved uh, love learning and consider myself a lifelong student as I mentioned so and just recently I've actually finished my um, additional qualifications that enable me to teach from kindergarten to grade 12 so always taking some extra courses um, as far as the experiential learning role um, how I got into that uh, I had been working as an instrumental music teacher at Northport uh, here in Port Elgin. I absolutely love my job there and the students were outstanding and my favorite part was certainly working with the senior band. And then during my last year at that, uh, in that position, the role of intermediate guidance teacher was uh, created and I filled that role for the first year. 
Um, and I have to say, I absolutely loved it. And it was really exciting to support the students and they, you know, virtually explored their individual pathways using a program that we um, have called My Blueprint. And they look closer at careers that they might be best suited for. But I think one of the things that really stands out to me the most was when my intermediate students took part in the Grizzly Cubs program um, at Georgian College. And uh, we talked about that a little earlier. So they went on a field trip there to Owen Sound and visited the campus and all the various programs it had to offer. And throughout the day, it was just so neat um, to watch them take part in these experiential learning activities in various sectors and programs. Um, and it was inspiring just to watch the kids, the pride and the excitement. They just beamed as they discovered like a new strength or interest and they built their you know, first toolbox. That was really neat to watch. And one of the kids was like, hey, I'm really good at this. <laughs> so it was great to see that. Um, other students were really, you know, proud of themselves. They were able to reconstruct a skeleton and name different um, bones in the body. So I could start to see their passions begin to spark. Uh, and then when we went back to the school, it was really rewarding to listen to the kids talk about how much they enjoyed their day and all the neat things they learned. But there's one student that really stands out to me. And um, he was really, really disengaged in school. He wasn't attending. He wasn't applying himself. Um, and after learning about about these hands-on programs that exist in uh, college, he got really excited about that. And he asked me to meet after school one day uh, to, um, to go over the course calendar with him. And, we, and also then he asked, well, could you help me create a resume? So it was just really neat that, you know, an interest was sparked for him um, and he wanted to learn more. And he was then genuinely engaged and excited about possibilities. So for me, um, it was really inspiring. And um, I was excited to take part um, in that experience, but then to also take a, a role at the board to help create and plan and implement more of these opportunities for our students across the board when you guys were just talking about that i was like huh you know what i did that i did that trip <laughs> to i didn't realize that that's what it was called the grizzly thing but yeah no i remember that was yeah a really great thing because you got to eat lunch at the college and we were like oh wow this is so cool like we want to go here and then you got to i remember sitting in a couple classes uh, i think i did a culinary one another one and it was just really it was definitely a valuable definitely shows you when experiential learning is such a great thing. That's great to hear. Those memories stuck with you. That's awesome. So I'm, I'm so glad you guys are doing the job you do because it, like, it sounds like you guys absolutely love what you do and uh, every day you're always up for the challenge. But what are some, some big challenges that come with your job day to day? Well, that's kind of an easy question to answer at this point in time because <laughs> for yeah. experiential learning to be truly experiential, you would really like to be in person doing it together. Yeah. Um, you know, it's really hard to have an outdoor ed program if you're not outside. <laughs> if yes. you're, if you're yeah. behind screens, I mean, as much as we can look at birding websites and we can be involved in all kinds of online challenges or even, you know, citizen science kinds of um, activities 
activities, those are somewhat experiential, but there's nothing like the real thing. You know, there's nothing like going on a hike on the Bruce Trail, for example. And and, um, just when Andrea was speaking there about her students having an experience that really sparked her interest, I was thinking back to some memories I had as a student as well. And and I I had the opportunity in grade eight to hike the Bruce Trail with a group of students and two teachers um, for two full weeks. We backpacked on the Bruce Trail for two weeks. Um, And that was really, really um, challenging, but it was really rewarding and almost life-changing as well. It was another reason why I I wanted to become a teacher was to offer those kinds of experiences to students. And so to not be able to do those things for almost a year and a half now has been really, really difficult. And sort of the on-again, off-again schooling that we've all experienced this year has been a challenge as well. You know, we've been creative though. We've been able to get uh, experiential learning kits out to students by either by courier or by mail. Um, So some of those things have still happened for students, but I would say that it hasn't been fully the same rate uh, or the same experience that we could have had had the pandemic not happened. So obviously the pandemic is right now our greatest challenge. Um, Hopefully next year, hopefully next year, we'll have a very different experience and everybody can be back to in-person learning again. And then of course, we're gonna be really keen to sort of ramp up those programs and to have uh, community partners involved in schools again, visiting schools again, guest speakers coming in again, and us going out and visiting different places. Um, so I would say the the going from in-person to online has definitely been a challenge for the role that we have. Um, There are other challenges though, of course. Uh, Transportation can be a challenge for us in in rural areas. You know, regardless of where you live in Grey Bruce, it's a very, very big county. Um, And our OYAP coordinator that we like to work with, I I think you both know him, Dave Barrett. He always jokes that the, the area of Grey Bruce is bigger than, than Prince Edward Island. And, <laughs> and so transportation can be a bit of a barrier at times. And so that's been one advantage to, to being at home where everybody's been at home and we've been forced to go uh, virtual is that we haven't had some of those transportation costs or some of those transportation headaches that sometimes occurs with a job because transportation can be quite costly in education. So... Um, there's some challenges there, but there's some silver linings as well. And uh, I'm sure Andrea has some challenges of her own that she would add to my list. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. It's been a tricky year with all the COVID restrictions and making sure everything is, you know, meets protocol and that. And even simple things like when, when we have challenges in the classroom and students work together in a group to create, you know, to solve a challenge or, you know, uh, a problem that they that they're faced with. We weren't able to do that this year, uh, you know, to work in small groups and just the sharing of materials. And there's there's so much to be learned, even in, in just that alone, you know, the, the collaboration and and uh, group work skills. So that's been 
That's been really tricky. And and as Paulette says, we were able to get kits out to people, uh, you know, through mail and things like that. But sometimes that's not for for a, a large project. That's not actually feasible to be able to do it sometimes. Right. Because uh, we do have limitations around that. So that's been tricky. And I just have to do shout out because the teachers and the students are to be commended for their resilience and their perseverance and having to pivot so many times uh, through this pandemic pandemic back and forth and uh, as Paulette said we're certainly looking forward to a normal year a more normal year next year and I'm really looking forward to um, creating more connections and partnerships with our community partners as well because uh, as we've met, both mentioned you know getting students into the community for that authentic learning uh, that comes from real life experiences engaging with community partners is really key and that's what we really really want there so we're really thankful for our all of our community partners and look forward to developing some more um, of those. Uh, certainly, as we mentioned, pivoting to online, um, you know, that's been, there's been silver linings there too, but not to say that the, that rural technology is not a problem because yikes, it sure has been like just with internet access, multiple kids, you know, so sometimes the best laid plans uh, don't go as we plan, that's for sure, uh, because of technology and blips and glitches and all that kind of stuff. So. We're looking forward to next year being a more normal year. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Let's hope. Fingers and toes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone, I've got a, the next question for you guys. So if you could, we ask this to pretty much everyone who comes on our show, but it's because it really gives eye-opening responses and you really get to hear some really good tips and tricks. So if you guys could go back and talk to your 16-year-old self, what would you tell them? Oh, boy, that's a really loaded question. Um, <laughs> there would be lots of advice that I would give to my 16 year old self. Um, but if it's if we talk about schooling, um, I would say, take tech, take some tech courses. Um, while tech hasn't been absolutely and when I say tech, I mean, you know, take an auto shop class or uh, take a manufacturing course or take, you know, take one of those courses um, that might help you in, in your life moving forward. So while that, those kinds of, that kind of tech learning maybe hasn't been absolutely essential in my career until now, because now many of my experiential learning um, pro programs involve technical courses for sure. Um, but even just in your day-to-day -day life, it would be so valuable to have um, I wish my skills were a little more developed in that area. You know, when it comes to changing your, your tires or when it comes to hanging a picture frame in your house or when it comes to rebuilding your deck or whatever it is that you yeah. might want to do um, just in your day-to-day -day living, I really wish that I had done more of that as a teenager and had become a little more self-sufficient in that area so that I wasn't always relying on other family members or I wasn't always relying on paying people to do those things. Um, so that's one regret that I have. I wish I had done some of those courses when I was in, in high school. Um, I also wish that I hadn't stopped learning a second language after I left high school. So I took French all the way through, through high school. Um, 
um, the high school that I attended did not have a French immersion program, but uh, if that were available to me now, um, I wish that I had stuck with the, with the second language language and was a little more proficient in either French or something else, you know, maybe Spanish or, um, you know, German. Um, you know, I remember going on a on a, an exchange, a teacher exchange to Germany and wishing that I could just even have a basic conversation with someone. So those are the two areas that I wish I had spent more time developing. So I would tell my 16-year-old self to do that. Uh, and then I would also probably give advice, um, always be truthful with your parents because they're going to find out the truth anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, you know, when you tell your dad that you didn't really back into that hydro pole with the van and, you know, he has a friend that witnessed the whole thing and then tells him the, the play by play afterwards, like it's always going to bite you at some point. So, uh, be a little more truthful with your parents and as long as you don't lie to them they'll probably cut yes. you some slack yeah, so that would true. be that very would be true. two pieces of the advice that i would give my 16 year old self and how about you andrea what would you say well i i have to echo definitely be truthful especially to your parents <laughs> that's <laughs> golden words to live by yeah. and uh yes for sure tech is loaded with uh life skills that are just so beneficial and great to have i would tell my 16 year old self as well that your career path does not need to be straight and narrow Embrace all the bumps and the turns and the ups and the downs that it brings to you. And because they certainly bring character and make you stronger as a person. But I think really important as well is don't be afraid to try new things. So if you love it, you try it and you love it, perfect. And if you try it and you hate it, then that's perfect as well because that's one other thing that you've learned about yourself um, and you're all on your way to creating a path to success for yourself. Awesome. Well, guys, that was this was a great episode. You guys uh, really, um, it, it really showed you know what what experiential learning can do. And um, I've been a part of outdoor ed when I was in elementary school, and how and that I still remember all those memories and like all, learning all that stuff. And it was so great. So um, thank you guys so much for coming on the show. We uh, really appreciate it. Thanks for the opportunity. It's certainly my pleasure. Absolutely. We could talk about this stuff all day. So uh, thanks for, for giving us an opportunity to talk a little bit about what we do and, and what's available to students today. Yeah, 100%. Anytime, anytime. And maybe in the future, maybe like in like six months or something, if you guys got some more stuff going on since the stuff's starting to open up a bit, we can talk about some of that stuff. And um, yeah, thank you guys so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having us. Thanks. Take care. Paula and Andrea, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs>